Good morning, Hillcrest. I am Eric Mitchell, and I am uh, happy to serve as your Connect pastor this morning, and all the time, really. Um, I'm glad to be here before you. My family and I have received a very warm welcome over the last several months, and so thank you to all of you. Um, and I'm also thankful to be able to stand before you with an open Bible. I love God's Word, and so I'm eager to get into it with you. Uh, if you wouldn't mind joining me in Matthew 28, I'd like to look at the Great Commission as a preface to our time together in Colossians chapter 1. And as you turn to Matthew 28, I'd like to just say a word of prayer for our time today. Father in heaven, we, we love you. We love your word. And as we open it now, God, we just ask that you would speak to us. Open our hearts and our minds that we would believe, trust, and obey. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hillcrest exists to fulfill the Great Commission. Let's look at it together, Matthew 28, beginning at verse 16. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them, to observe all that I've commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus came back from the dead to give his disciples one final command. Make disciples. He wants all of us, you and me, every single one of us who follow him, to help other people follow him. And today we'll see in our text, in Colossians chapter 1, a strategy for how to make disciples of Jesus Christ. At Hillcrest, we are disciples whose charge it is, is to help people in becoming like Christ. And the main point today, of everything I'll say, is boiled down into this one sentence. You can help people in becoming like Christ. We talk about becoming like Christ a lot at Hillcrest, and sometimes it's out there somewhere, but I want you to know today, you, you can help people in becoming like Christ. Our text this morning is one very dear to me. I turn to it almost daily. It's Colossians chapter 1, verses 28 and 29. The Bible says there, him we proclaim warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. The year was 62 AD. The Apostle Paul, at the time of writing this, was likely in his late 50s, maybe even early 60s. And he had been in ministry now for well over 20 years. Years, 
And at the end of Acts 28, we find the Apostle Paul in prison at Rome. After three missionary journeys, he's, he's in this prison and he's locked up, but he's not idle. From this prison, Paul will write four divinely inspired letters, one to the Ephesians, one to the Philippians, a personal letter to Philemon, and ours here to the Colossians. And this is an older, more experienced Paul. Uh, he will say, for instance, to the Philippians, uh, to live is Christ and to die is gain. He, he was hopeful that he would be released from prison, but he wasn't entirely sure. And I believe that, that drives Paul in the writing of particularly this letter. He writes as though it may be his last. Like the Puritan minister, Richard Baxter, he preached as never sure to preach again and as a dying man to dying men. That's the urgency that we see as Paul is writing here. And you must ask yourself, what gives someone that kind of urgency? Jesus Christ is the answer. You see, Paul went from aggressively murdering disciples to laying down his life to make disciples. The only explanation for that kind of transformation is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And what I'm saying to you today is that if you've received Christ by faith, if you're a Christian, if you're a disciple of Jesus Christ, you can make disciples of Jesus Christ. You can help people follow Jesus. You can help people in becoming like Christ. Our text today, these two verses, though brief, I believe are filled with everything we need on how to make disciples. But before we go any further, let's define our terms. What is a disciple? The word in Greek is mathetes, is a pupil, learner, or follower. And as a staff, our staff came together to try to create a definition of what a disciple is, and here's what we came up with based on the Bible. A disciple is a believer in Christ who follows him, learns his ways, and leads others to live biblically. A disciple is a believer in Christ who follows him, learns his ways, and leads others to live biblically. So if you are follower of Jesus Christ, you've received salvation by faith, you are a disciple. This is one who is becoming like Christ. But what is discipling? I'll use this verb, discipling, again and again. Let's give some definition to that. Very simply, it is the process of making disciples. Discipling is helping people in becoming like Christ. And so, Discipling is when one disciple helps another follow Jesus and grow in becoming like Jesus. So when I say I'm discipling someone, what I usually mean by that is I'm meeting with them at least an hour or so a week, maybe more. We're going through the Bible together. I'm praying with them. I'm being open and honest with them. They're being open and honest with me. One-on-one -on -one or one-on-two, this is the process of making disciples 
And this is how we help people become more and more like Christ. And the whole point today is that Jesus expects those who follow him to help other people follow him. Jesus expects his disciples to make disciples. And discipling is how we change the world. In our text, we will see five things needed for us to make disciples. One, we'll see the subject of our discipling. The scope of our discipling. The segments of our discipling. The supreme goal of our discipling. And the source of our discipling. And we shall see that in this crucial work of discipling, we are relying on Jesus Christ from start to finish. Notice with me first the subject of our discipling. It's Christ. Verse 28, Paul will say there, him we proclaim. Him. Who is him? This pronoun in verse 28 is referring to the antecedent in verse 27 where Paul will say, Christ in you is the hope of glory. The him that Paul proclaimed was Jesus Christ. And what does he mean by proclaim? Paul will uh, say, I proclaim Christ. This is not the same word that he uses elsewhere when he talks about preaching. This is just making an announcement. This is a public announcement. You're just telling someone something. Paul says whenever he gets a platform, whenever he has an open window, whenever he has an opportunity, if he just gets one message to proclaim, it's him. And as disciples, this means that we point people to Jesus. No one can be a disciple who hasn't first been introduced to him. And so if you'll bear with me a minute, I'd, I'd like to just proclaim him. The Bible says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. This same word, John will say, became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. Jesus, equal with God in every way, in the fullness of time, was born of a virgin and became man. And he was made like us in every way except one. He's without sin. And that's important because Jesus is the only one sufficient to be the bearer of sin. He died on the cross in our place. But he rose again on the third day in fulfillment of the scriptures. And he ascended where he is now seated at the right hand of God the Father. And from there, he will come again to judge the quick and the dead and rule and reign forever and ever. And he invites all who are burdened and heavy laden with their sin to repent and find rest and forgiveness and eternal life in him. Because there is no other name given under heaven by which we must be saved, but by the name of Jesus Christ. I love him. Do you? Do you know him? 
We can't go any further in our becoming like Christ until we first know Christ by faith. Perhaps there's someone here today who doesn't know Christ. You can know him today. When making disciples, we do just what I just did. We tell people about Jesus. It's not easy all the time, but there's great simplicity there. We, uh, about six weeks ago, we had vacation Bible school here, and um, they thought it would be a good idea for me and Mariah Rollins to lead kindergarten missions. And, uh, you know, five-year-olds trying to get their attention and get a clear message across is not always easy, but you have to make it simple. And when we boiled down what missions was in a statement, it was this. Tell people about Jesus. Every time they would come in, we would say the same thing. When they would leave, we would say the same thing. Tell people about Jesus. Tell people about Jesus. It's a little silly, but they remembered it. And there's simplicity there. And when we think to ourselves, oh, discipling is so hard, it's so complicated, I don't know what to do. Here's step one. Tell people about Jesus. Paul says, him we proclaim. Here's how it works practically. You have someone maybe you're meeting with every week and they're a disciple of Jesus Christ and they come to you and they say, I'm struggling with a certain temptation and I don't know what to do. And they're looking at you and you're like, I don't know what to do. Just tell them about Jesus. Go to Matthew chapter four or Luke chapter four and show them what Jesus did when he was tempted in the wilderness. How Jesus responded to the tempter with, it is written, it is written, it is written. And teach them that hiding the word of God in your heart is how you are in a place where you might not sin against him. Memorizing scripture. And you can do memorizing scripture together with your disciple. This is how we point people to Christ. We tell people about Jesus. The subject of our discipling is Christ. Next, the scope. The scope of our discipling is everyone. Look with me again at verse 28. Paul says, him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. Does anything jump out to you in that verse? Uh, when I was um, growing up, I was taught early on a very simple rule of Bible study, and it's this. Whenever you see repetition in Scripture, your ears should perk up. God's getting your attention. He's wanting to emphasize a point. And here, in English, also in the Greek text, Paul says three times in one verse, everyone, everyone, everyone. Disciplines for everyone. It's not a spectator sport. It's not an optional activity. It's not something we do if we feel like it, and if we don't, oh well. You gotta get in the game. In fact, if you could do me a favor, will the real disciples of Jesus Christ please stand up? If you're a disciple, if you are a disciple, a follower of the Lord, would you please stand up right now? If you're standing, you should either be discipling someone 
or being discipled by someone. Discipling is not just for pastors. It's not just for missionaries or connect group leaders. It's for everyone. It's for all of us. If you're a parent, it's our duty to disciple our children. If you're a coworker, and disciple your the employees that you work with. Because discipling is for everyone. All right, you may be seated. Now, you may be thinking, not so fast. Paul says he does the discipling. He does the warning and the teaching. And the everyone, they just receive the warning and the teaching. They don't participate in that. That's for the professionals. Let's turn to Colossians chapter 3, one page over, same letter, Colossians 3, verse 16, where Paul will say, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Who's Paul talking to in this verse? The church at Colossae, the same folks in Colossians 1, 28. All the men and women and children, everybody who's a born-again believer of Jesus Christ, that's who he's talking to. In fact, if we look at the verse again, he says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. That's a plural you. If I could southernize that, let the word of Christ dwell in y'all richly, all y'all in Colossae. And look again, he says, teaching and admonishing who? One another. Discipling is a one another activity. It's for all of us. And that means we can do it. Next, the segments. What are the segments of our discipling? They are warning and teaching. In fact, in this text, Colossians 3.16 and in Colossians 1.28, Paul uses the same verbs. ESV translates it admonishing and teaching, but in Greek it's the same word. Warning and teaching are the segments of our discipling. That's the meat and potatoes of what we do in helping people in becoming like Christ. We warn them from what is wrong and we teach them from what is right. We tell them what is sinful and dangerous, and we instruct them in what is pure and wholesome. So let's look at these words uh, individually. Warn. What does it mean to warn? To warn is to counsel someone to avoid or cease improper conduct. It's to tell them to stop doing something. Don't go that way. That's not right. And by far... This is going to be the most difficult of the two for most of us because in warning, you have to look someone in the face and say what you're doing doesn't line up with Scripture. What you're doing doesn't, it's not becoming of a disciple of Jesus Christ, which is why I recommend having discipling relationships with somebody you know and you love, you already have an existing relationship with them. I do not recommend walking up to a perfect stranger and start warning them. It's better to have that relationship already ongoing. 
In fact, that's the reason why connect groups are so important to our church. It's in the context of having an ongoing, weekly, daily relationship with someone that you can meet with them and they with you and you can be honest with one another. And discipling is happening. Can I just be honest with you guys today? Your connect pastor is not perfect. Don't, don't say amen too loud, Crystal. I'm not perfect. And your connect group leaders, not perfect. Everyone in the connect groups, not perfect. But guess what? Neither are you. You may go in and you may get rubbed the wrong way, but that's okay because you'll warn them and they'll warn you and y'all will be making disciples of Jesus Christ. That's how it works. We warn. But what does it look like? I'm reminded of a king, a great king, a man after God's own heart, who one day when he should have been at war was at his house from the roof of his house, he looked at something he shouldn't have been looking at. King David saw another woman, and when he asked who she was, he realized that she was the wife of another man. But that didn't stop David. He persisted until he was intimate with her, and we know the story. David didn't repent. In fact, he had her husband killed. And though he knew the Lord... He didn't repent until a buddy of his came along and said, King, I need to tell you a story. There was a man who had flocks and flocks and flocks of sheep and another man who had one little ewe lamb. And one day, the man with flocks of sheep decided it would be a good idea to just go take from the poor man and take his one little lamb. And when David heard that story, he said, He's furious. The man that did that deserves to die. And Nathan said, oh, but wait, king, there's more. You're the man. It's you. Hear me. If King David needs to be warned, so do you and so do I. He was a man after God's own heart and he went astray. But it was the warning of Nathan that brought him back on the right path. In fact, David repented in such an intimate way. He wrote one of the most beautiful passages in all of Scripture on repentance, Psalm 51. Now, disciples all over the world know how to repent because of what David wrote there. So we warn that we might help people in becoming like Christ. But we also teach. We don't just warn, we teach. This is, this is just to provide instruction. The verb here, teach, is used of Jesus when he's in the synagogue, Matthew chapter 4. He's teaching, very formal instruction. But it's also used of Jesus as he's walking along Galilee with his disciples, just walking and talking. He's teaching. So whether formal teaching or walking and talking teaching, We can disciple people and we can provide instruction to help people in becoming like Christ. What does this look like? My son is here. He likes to play baseball. 
Uh, I do as well. And sometimes we watch uh, movies. Our favorite baseball movie is The Sandlot. Any Sandlot lovers in the house? All right. Sandlot. So in the movie, you have a young man named Scott Smalls, Scotty. He's new to the area. He wants to make friends. So he goes to the baseball diamond to make some buddies. It's just one problem. He doesn't know anything about baseball, like nothing. He doesn't know how to catch. He doesn't know how to throw. He's like walking the ball up and putting it in somebody's glove, like, there you go. He doesn't even know who Babe Ruth is. You're killing me, Smalls. They all laugh at him. They will not be his friend. But there's one guy who says, I'll be his friend. Benny the Jet Rodriguez. He says, this guy, is, he has a problem, but he just needs to be taught. He just needs someone to teach him. And so I will spend time with him. I will teach him how to catch. I will teach him how to throw. He says, just chuck it like it's a, a paper, a newspaper and a paper route. And he shows him patiently how to be a baseball player. Before long, he's hitting a home run. And that simple example is how we should be in our discipling. We should patiently and wisely teach people what they don't know but need to know in order that they can grow in becoming like Christ. Now, you may be thinking, I know I should be discipling somebody. And I also really want to I just don't know enough. I don't know enough stuff. Can I, can I say two things to that? You can invest in your own learning. You'll see at the conclusion today a video where we're publicizing and promoting classes that we offer. Classes on becoming like Christ and the spiritual disciplines. How to pray and how to disciple someone. We'll have a seven-week brand-new class on discipling and how it's essential that we see the simplicity in it and actually do it. So you can invest in your own learning. But more than that, discipling is more caught than taught. And what I mean by that is you'll never know everything there is to know about the Bible. So share what you do know. Someone who is looking for them, looking for you to disciple them, they want someone who's knowledgeable. They want someone who knows some things. But more than that, they want someone who's authentic, someone who's honest, someone who's sincere. And even though you don't have all the answers, you're truly following Jesus. That's what's required to make disciples. In fact, consider the original apostles of Jesus. Were these guys PhDs in theology? No. Common fishermen, and they were making disciples like nobody's business. In fact, they got into a pickle with some of the early church uh, leaders such that they told them to stop making disciples, and they said, you know, whether it's right to obey you or, or, or God, you decide, but we're going to keep making disciples. And in Acts 4, verse 13, the Bible says this, when they, the religious leaders, saw the boldness of Peter and John and knew that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished. And they recognized that they had been with
of Jesus. Please hear me. There is no substitute for being with Jesus. Give me two disciples who have been with Jesus over 2,000 who just have head knowledge about Jesus. These guys took on the world. And they just knew Jesus. The most important fundamental thing for you to teach anyone that you're discipling is how to abide in Christ, how to spend time with Jesus. Can you do that? I'm sure you can. That's how we help people in becoming like Christ. We warn and we teach. Next, the supreme goal. The supreme goal of our discipling is maturity. Look again with me at verse 28. At the end, Paul will say that we may present everyone mature in Christ. We, we proclaim Christ, we warn everyone, we teach everyone that we may present everyone. The proclaiming, the warning, and the teaching is not an end in and of itself. It's all for this purpose. In fact, Paul will say in verse 29, for this, this presenting people mature, I toil and I struggle. The aim of the Apostle Paul was to present people mature, and the aim of Hillcrest is to present people mature in Christ. Every single connect group has this aim. Every single focus group class that we offer, every ministry, be it worship or kids or students, senior adults, recreation, the supreme goal of everything we do is to, on the last day, present people mature in Christ. We labor for this, we pray for this, we beg God for this. But what does it mean to be mature in Christ? This is not absolute perfection, but this is a consistent obedience, a following after Jesus day after day. Some of your translations might say perfect, but the word is really maturity, completeness. Following Jesus with consistency. Around this same time he's writing this, Paul also wrote to the Ephesians, as I said earlier, and he wrote this regarding their becoming like Christ. In Ephesians chapter 4, he says, Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that, we may no longer be children. To go against this immaturity where we're tossed to and fro, we seek to produce mature disciples of Jesus Christ. And again, this is not absolute perfection. This is a consistent following of Jesus faithfully day by day. And so Paul says, we toil, we struggle, knowing that time is fleeting, to be able to stand before the Lord and hear those all-important words on the last day when he will say, well done, good and faithful servant. Will the Lord say that to you? Have you been a faithful maker of disciples? Who will be presented mature in Christ because of your efforts, 
because of your obedience to disciple people? Ask those questions. And if you say, man, I don't don't know, it's not too late to make the decision to decide today to disciple someone. Maybe as I've been talking, you have someone in your mind, in your life, in your connect group, in your family who needs to be discipled. Don't delay. Disciple them today. Finally, the source of our discipling is Christ. The Apostle Paul will write in verse 29, for this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. I've spent all morning telling you that you can help people in becoming like Christ, and you can, but you really can't. In fact, Jesus will say, apart from me, you can do nothing. But in Christ, we can do all things. Paul will write to the Philippians in a very famous verse, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And so in our discipling, let us not look within. Let us look up. Our help comes from the Lord. He is the power source. We desperately need him in order to disciple others. So rely on Jesus and you cannot fail. Lean on him and he'll work wonders through you. We proclaim Christ. We warn and we teach others with all wisdom that we may present them mature in Christ. And we do this relying only on the energy of Christ working in and through us, all for the glory of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Hillcrest, you can help people in becoming like Christ. But will you? Let's get after it today.